Hey there, this is a shortlist podcast on iTunes, Omni or whatever platform you listen to your potties on. We usually hang out with you from 4pm every Sunday on Sin 90.7. However, we're taking all our bits and pieces and popping them online for your convenience. We are Gloria and Ro, and we're here to introduce you to all your new favourite artists. Hell yeah, we are. We're digging into the inspirations, motivations and stories behind the bands on the way up. So come along for the ride. It's great to have you here. Speaking of artists to get through, another one that we'll add to the list, um, we're going to get to know an absolute gem of a musician called Machine Age. I'm I'm really I'm really excited. I've you know as as I mentioned a little bit earlier in the show, I had never really heard of this artist aside from you know the the holy holy support that he is embarking on in a matter of weeks time. So yeah, I'm excited to get to know Machine Age as well as you know everyone listening today. So um, bit of background: the face behind Machine Age, Adrian Morrow, has been around in Brisbane, um, playing in the scene for years and years. Uh, so we started out working behind the scenes in the studio, and he's worked on a heap of records, most notably Big Scary. Vacation and not art albums. They were the ones that I was hinting at at the top. Um, those are two albums you have most definitely heard of, I'm sure. Absolutely. I actually listen to Not Art on like a probably a monthly basis. It's one of my favorite records. Well, there you go. So you have heard a little bit of Adrian Moro without even knowing it. Amazing. And That's uh, so cool. He uh, joined a band and after getting a bit of a taste for songwriting, he decided that he wanted to fuse this newfound passion with his love of weird experimental electronic music and thus Machine Age was born. Hello, I'm Adrian. I make music under the name of Machine Age. To start things off, let's get to know you a little bit better. What were your musical upbringing and early days like? The start of me getting into music was more from the technology and recording side of things. Very much a late bloomer when it came to um, playing guitar and other instruments. I basically didn't start playing any proper instruments until high school and I started playing the trumpet through the school band and then by the time I finished high school I'd started picking up guitar and things and so got into trying to study audio engineering and so I moved from Cairns where I grew up to Brisbane to study and basically started recording friends' bands and things around the Brisbane scene and as well as slowly getting my confidence up to do my own material. And so around the Brizzy scene, I played in a few bands um, and we started our own little studio and worked with a lot of Brisbane kind of independent artists and stuff. And I guess through that, ended up hooking up with um, Sean Cook, who used to be in East Climb Blue, and he started working out of our studio that we had kind of collected all this gear for a little while. And he brought up Big Scary to do their first record. And I kind of worked behind the scenes on that first record mostly as a kind of the studio engineer and also helping out with some of the sonic ideas and things that they were trying to achieve and so that was probably the first bigger act that I'd, I'd worked with and then yeah obviously having a relationship with them kind of worked with them again on their next record when Tom from Big Scary was doing it all himself and he came up and we threw a bunch of stuff at that Not Art record and and yeah. And then when did Adrian Morrow become Machine Age? It's a few years ago now. Pretty much I've always had a love affair with a wide variety of music. I'd always been a fan of a lot of electronic music and IDM and a lot of the stuff off the Warp label in the UK was like a big influence on me. So all that Aphex Twin and Square Pusher and Chris Clark and all these kind of electronic acts, but I, I never really knew how to create those sounds. And so it took me a long time to kind of hone those skills. But then at the same time, I started playing in a band up here in Brisbane called Silent Feature Era, which was more of a kind of rock slash experimental rock band, sort of in the vein of Wilco. And so these alternate worlds were colliding and I guess I I learned a lot about songwriting and song structures and stuff playing in that band with um, Greg Kasker, our lead singer and songwriter, but then also wanted to mash that sonic excitement that I was getting from a lot of the electronic acts like Björk and, and all those sort of things that I really loved as well. And so it finally got to a point where
where we put out a record of Silent Feature Era a few years ago and there's only one song on the on the record that I kind of wrote from start to finish called In Your Shoes and that was like my first little steps into the world of actually singing and it gave me a lot of confidence to go, hang on, I can do this and I can kind of get cracking on my own stuff and so that was a really big confidence booster for me and after that I just started writing and finally mashing all the worlds together that I loved. So a lot of the organic songwriter elements mashed in with some more kind of hectic um, electronic productions. That was a couple of years ago, so I guess I released Chivalry in, when was that, 2015? So I guess it was a couple of years before that. You did just mention that first single, Chivalry. After being someone who had worked with and in bands for so long, what was it like putting out a piece of yourself by yourself into the world? That was really nerve-wracking, I guess. Obviously, it was a song I was very proud of. Um, I really felt like it was a good cross-section of all the different types of music I want to create because there's a lot of more heavy industrial elements of things that I love, and then there's also some really ambient and more atmospheric things that I love creating as well. And so I felt like that was a song that lyrically and as a songwriter would connect with people, but also sonically I thought was a good cross-section of all the different sounds that people might expect from me in the future. And so um, it was really nice nice just to get that out there and I went through the normal means that you do as an independent artist in Australia and threw it on Unearthed and and I was kind of shocked to see that it was so well received in that kind of world and and then from there it was a matter of trying to you know show people that there's there's a lot more to what I do as well so that's kind of the journey I'm on right now oh my god I just said journey it's like it's like the bachelor that was the moment that it seemed people really started taking notice of course you put your music into the world hoping that people will like it and connect with it but how do you deal with it when people actually do? I guess it's kind of what you hope for uh, as, as someone who puts out music. You know, you, you kind of think that what you've created is great. And, and if you're making music for yourself, um, as you should as, a, as an artist, that part of the whole process should have already be done in terms of creating the sound and, and, and the sonics that you want in your, in your songwriting. And so when you do put it out into the world, you kind of just go, well, that's all the hard work's done. Once it's out there, it's everyone else's song, not yours anymore. And, and they can take it as they will. They can either hate it or love it or whatever so it was really like it was a very slow building process I guess by the time I, I got that song out I'd already started playing quite a lot around Brisbane um, and I'd rarely ventured down south just as as the one-man band thing which I've pretty much done up until very recently with my loop pedals and samplers and, and that whole side of things so I was starting to really test out my material live with electric guitars and, and electronic drums and all that sort of thing and so it was just really nice to then have all right there's actually finally something for people to listen to outside of the live realm and and you know more than happy to hit the road and show them what else I could do. And what were those early shows like getting used to that one man band set up with your loop pedals and everything on stage? Ah, it's the most nerve-wracking thing you could ever do is performing solo. Initially, it was very much a slow build in terms of the technology and I didn't want to just be one of these people that gets up and loops everything and then bores the shit out of everyone for 5 minutes while I set up every song. <laughs> and so for me, I really was conscious of the fact of just not making it like hey look I bought a loop pedal for you know a hundred bucks and I know how to use it sort of thing so for me it was really making the live show really interesting and sonically exciting as well as not forgetting that I'm up there singing and playing guitar at the same time so that's something I've kind of been working on for a little while now was basically building into my sampler and stuff different sections of the songs so you know if I want to jump straight to another part of the song I can and not have to be like all right guys give me five minutes while I set up you know the bridge with all the different elements and stuff. I used to bang on about saying that I've got musical ADD because I'd get too bored with things and have to change them all the time. So for me, just fully looping everything didn't really appeal to me. So it was very much a slow 
process in terms of it. But at the same time, there's a lot of songs that I've written now that are that are coming together, which I've tested out live. And I, I've, I've got the general idea and I'll put a few bits and pieces on my sampler and I'll have a few different guitarists and vocal ideas. And, and if, even if it's half cooked, I'll take it, throw it on stage and see what happens. And there's a few songs like, um, there's a song I released last year called Don't Look, which very much was a kind of over a year sort of testing it out on the road and, and things that would happen accidentally that have made it into the final production of the song. You did just mention that 2016 single Don't Look. You play a lot of shows, but so far you've only released a very small amount of recorded music. Is there a formula behind only releasing limited tracks? Yeah, it's a funny one because I guess like I... I don't want to say I'm lazy, but I think for me, I really want to, um, I don't know how to say this without sounding like a total dick, but um, like I've worked on a lot of great independent releases with lots of friends that, you know, you spend all these hours basically making art that you, you love and hopefully other people love. And I've been part of so many great records that, you know, no one's ever heard of because you spend forever making a full album and, and then you put it out there. And if and if you haven't done the time and, and really toured your ass off and, and made enough noise about it, then and it's a great record, but not many people hear it. And so I guess to me, it's been a really kind of a slow moving machine. And, and I really want as many people to hear what I'm making, like most people who make art. But my sound has kind of been evolving. And I guess I've been trying to work towards the sonic landscape that I feel like re- truly represents what I'm trying to create. So just putting out these songs slowly has allowed me to really realize this first record that I've been making. And so I've got I've got a record's worth of stuff. And, and I guess up until recently, I've been very DIY with everything kind of self-managed, self-booked, self-everything. And so now that a few different people are jumping on board, like booking agents and, and I've got a manager finally and things like that, I guess they want to do things a certain way. So that's kind of why the last 12 months have been a bit slower. I, I, I was hoping to get more stuff out sooner, but now that other people are getting involved, they all kind of want to play that music industry game. So it seems like I should allow that to happen. There are a lot of people now getting on the Machine Age team but has there been a moment for you where you thought that music could be more than a hobby and be something that you could really pursue? Back in 2015, after I had released Chivalry, until then, I was just like, oh, well, I'll just do my job and keep making music on the side and go about my day-to-day like that. And then um, I kind of was lucky enough to be offered a little wildcard spot to play Big Sound in 2015 because someone else had pulled out and being a local Brisbane person, they needed someone that could do the show without having to fly from interstate or whatever. And, and I'd initially been knocked back sort of with my application and I was must have been on there kind a short list and so at the very last minute about two weeks before the festival they said oh someone's pulled out do you want to play and I was like yeah absolutely and I was kind of blown away by it was one of those things like it was uh, like kind of the perfect storm in terms of doing a showcase because you hear so many stories where playing showcases at different festivals and things usually people don't give a shit unless they already know about you and things but it was one of those things where I played yeah played my showcase and and within the next few days I had emails from different managers and labels and things and everyone was saying wow we didn't know you existed but we really loved your show and what are you doing so that was kind of a point where oh maybe maybe I could do this you know a bit more as a full-time gig and then you returned to Big Sound last year but to play guitar with another artist so I play with Banff and um I met Ben through, I think his manager is a music industry lawyer and runs a little label in Melbourne and um, I met through them and um, he, he looks after a lot of stuff 
um, for the Pie Eater label and Big Scary. And um, I think they basically were looking for someone in Brisbane to kind of do some extra work with Ben on for his first EP because he'd basically recorded it with um, Tom Yarnsek and, and he wanted a few extra bits and pieces and they sort of said, oh, well, if you're up in Brisbane, you should team up with Adrian. And um, and that's basically how we met. And so on Ben, well, the, the first Banff EP, I just, what I normally do and added a bunch of colours and things and different guitars and keys and, and kind of threw a bunch of stuff at it and, and then sent it all back down to Tom to mix into the EP. And from there, I guess Ben from Banff was like, oh, I've got some gigs coming up. Do you want to play? And we get on really well. Like, he's a really good friend of mine now. And, and so, yeah, so ever since then, I've basically been a part of that band and as well. And um, it's been a really fun to be part of a project like his that's also, you know, quite good. There's a lot of stuff that, you know, we collaborate on now. And we've just spent over the Easter long weekend kind of recording the next EP as a more more of as a band now. And um, yeah, can't wait for people to hear that stuff too. That's really interesting. And have you found that your work with other bands has provided a nice balance with your solo work as a machine age? Oh, absolutely. Like, I guess that my initial strong point as a like you know with my skill set in the studio is I, I guess I feel like a jack of all trades and a master of a couple and um, so so being able to kind of just go hey I like I really dig this song maybe we could try this or try that that comes to, to me really easily and, and really it's a very fluid part of what I do and so I think that part of it works a lot easier for me whereas I guess with the machine age stuff like I, it's that battle of you know always doubting yourself or whatever or having the confidence to do this and that and so when I'm working with other people that all disappears and I just kind of, you know, throw caution to the wind. And you've just released your latest single as Machine Age, Chivalry is Dead. It's completely different to what we've heard recorded from you so far. The name suggests it, but is this single answering that debut track? I kind of thought that it would be funny to do that. That song actually used to have a different working title and so it did, kind of didn't make sense. The old working title for that was Two Minutes Hate, um, which is obviously from 1984 and the, the book. And, and I thought it was funny because it's I've kind of the song's been around almost as long as Chivalry itself and I used to just throw it into my live sets as a more of a kind of live jam and it's and it's really kind of morphed over time into the song that it is now and and I never really knew what to do with it because it was always a bit of a crowd favorite I'd always throw it either towards the end of my set just as a bit of a crazy jam and I could you know go nuts with all the pedals and with some big uh, kind of industrial beats and I guess put on a real you know rock rock element of my show and so yeah I guess when it came time to actually putting the lyrics down I guess it felt like a the visceral kind of raw I guess almost sexy kind of thing and and I I kind of like the idea that it would be the opposite of this you know chivalrous type thing and it was more of a, a response to that sort of thing and, and and in the context of a lot of the other work that I've got on this I guess in my head a record it kind of worked really well as, as like the evil twin and so I guess that's why we filmed it to 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 put it out as a I guess a visual single thanks to Beyonce but in the sense that if I just release the audio, it probably doesn't tell the whole picture. And so it was really great to collaborate with um, a good filmmaker friend of mine and kind of actually the, the warehouse that it's shot in is actually um, Ben from Bamps. His, a couple of his family members work for this machinery company and that was his hookup to get us in this warehouse. So that was, yeah, just it was a really great way to kind of do that song as a release, but also to show it as it kind of evolves live. Is this grittier, rockier sound something we can expect to hear more of in future singles? 
I think that's the thing that I, I guess that's the problem with releasing songs one at a time, as I've done, is I guess you do lose a bit of, I guess you're only, you're gauged on each individual release as opposed to a big body of work. So there's definitely, I think this is probably the, the most extreme side of where I've taken things on this batch of songs that I've recorded. And so there's still a softer side to me, but I think it was nice to kind of show that rather than just being kind of typecast as this ambient, uh, I guess, minimal soft singer um, it was like well if you come to my live shows you're going to get a bit of everything and you know there's quite a wide variety of sounds that I've kind of been creating so there's, there, there are a couple of other songs that are waiting in the wings that are I guess more kind of radio singles they they actually have choruses in them as opposed to Shiver Dead and so and, and some of those are, I guess are on the probably not as heavy but more on that rock electronic side of things but then there's also songs where I've, I've already started recording that I've basically collaborated with a, a string quartet up here in Brizzy and they've got more kind of dark house beats to it with the string quartet over the top and and not much else so there's going to be a lot of yeah like a wide variety of sounds on on this record whenever it gets released. After working as Machine Age in a one-man band format for such a long time, how has it been adding another member into the fold? Oh, it's it's awesome. I initially started this year wanting to actually take two drummers on the road with me, and I just logistically, at this stage, it was just too hard because I guess a lot of my songs have this overlay of electronic beats and, and organic beats all kind of mashed together. And so in it, I, I think if I ever get to play a, a headline tour, I'll probably have two drummers with me. But it's just been so great, just the, the shows we've already done this year um, and a couple of the festivals we've done it I feel it really it really takes the heat off me as the kind of only person on the stage um, my drummer Dylan is, a, is a, an amazing drummer and there's, there's a couple of moments in the set now where I can just kind of sit back and be like all right everyone look at him for a while you know rather than always being so conscious of being the only person on stage and really having to pr- kind of perform every moment so I, I really feel like it takes a bit of the heat off me now and I can relax a lot more and, and have my moments to shine but then at the same time be like hey everyone look at him you know and not feel like such a self-involved wanker (laughs) you know so it's kind of nice to be able to share the stage with someone else and just kind of enjoy myself a lot more so I I have found that all the shows we've done this year as a a two-piece have just been way more enjoyable and and I guess I feel way less self-conscious about being a bit too self-indulgent sometimes. You've also recently become part of the New World family that's a super talented roster to be a part of so congratulations. How did that come about? Thanks so much and yeah it's just been really, I guess, having been so DIY and and self kind of managed for so long, it really is so easy to kind of get a bit deluded with it all and just be like, oh, I, I give up, you know, it's all too hard. And so basically they've, yeah, so ever since I played Big Sound 20, like, when was that? Yeah, almost two years ago, a year and a half ago. Don Miller, who's the local rep for New World Artists, he's always been a big fan and and I guess for a lot of these big booking com- agents and stuff, they kind of want to, before they sign on the dotted line, they want to see what else you're working on. And so they've kind of kept tabs with me, I guess, over the last year or so. And so they've kind of always been big, big fans from, from the get-go. But they've always, you know, everyone, I guess, in the music biz, they all want to kind of see what else happens. And, and with a lot of booking agents in Australia, particularly, they're like, a lot of them are just waiting for that big song that hits the national broadcaster. And, and, and then once you've done that, then they'll sign you because they know that people will come to your show. Where, whereas I, I guess I haven't really had that yet. And um, so for them to jump on board at this stage has been really exciting. And so basically how that came to be was towards the end of last year, once I'd finished doing a bunch of touring with Banff and 
I really got stuck into the studio and, and finished off a whole bunch of material and went, all right, everybody, like this is what I've got to offer. This is what's going to be coming out over the next year. What do you think? And it was, it was at that stage that um, Edwin from New World Artists in Sydney had got hold of my material kind of almost independently from Dom up here in Brizzy and, and he loved it and got in contact and then they realised that they'd already been chatting and so from there it was just really great. They were really excited about a bunch of the new stuff that I was working on and, and really wanted to jump on board and so for an artist that's all you want you know you want people to be excited about what you're doing and not just be ticking a box saying oh yeah you're getting played on this radio station so I can you know guarantee that you'll do okay whereas these guys just they loved the material I was working on and they said let's do it you know let's jump in and and so for for me that's amazing. You've got a new single out a new team behind you what can we expect from Machine Age in the months to come? I'm hitting the road supporting Holly Holly um, in the next month, like next couple of weeks. I'm going to hit the road with my drummer. And so we're playing, is it, I think it's like 16 or 15 shows around the country. Um, and so super excited about that. And basically finishing off a couple of the next songs that are, I hope, are a bit more radio friendly. Um, but it was just really great to get this film clip out and, and to show people that, you know, this is what you can expect at a Machine Age show and, and kind of get on board now. So hurriedly finishing off I guess the next single to hopefully be out either by the end of the Holy Holy tour or probably mid-August possibly and that one will be a proper full radio release and and um, you know for available for people to, to grab on Spotify and iTunes and all that sort of stuff whereas I guess Shivori is Dead exists as this little I guess film piece that we created and, and so far been kind of overwhelmed with the response it's had.